chapter responsibly this morning. Allow me to begin reading in verse number one. Now read the succeeding odd numbered verses through verse 13. Would you please begin reading with me in unison verse number two, along with the succeeding even numbered verses through verse number 12. And as always, in respect to the reading of the word of God, if you're able to stand once again, I invite you to stand. Luke in chapter number 11 and verses 1 through 13 and reading responsively. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, Because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he hath needed. And and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened." If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. And now, Heavenly Father, take this familiar passage of Scripture to many. May it come alive this morning as we deal with the subject of fathers, the need for everyone to be a father this morning. We'll thank you for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit of God, we pray for your empowering. We ask these things now in Christ's name. And for his sake, amen. You may be seated. Luke chapter 11 this morning. Here we're on our fifth message. I'm glancing at that clock. I need to curtail my introductory comments here and and, uh, look at verse number 13. How about as our text verse? It's a great passage of scripture, of course. The Lord's Prayer is here. We'll touch on it for a few seconds here this morning. But notice verse number 13. If ye then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? How much more shall the heavenly Father 
give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. We have a mistake, and it's ironic where we have a mistake at on our bulletin, on our outline in the back. The mistake is the word perfect. It says, me and my perfect family. It should be X'd out, that word perfect, because there's no perfect families. It's me and my real family. And in lightning fast speed, let's review where we've been the last several weeks on our, this is our fifth message on this series of messages, me and my real family. And uh, dealing with the subject of the family, of course, uh, these, uh, this fall campaign. We looked at the family for people without a family, our first message back in September, early September. And our takeaway, our punchline for that message was every Christian needs to be connected to a church family, a local New Testament church family. In other words, every Christian needs to be in the house of God, and all God's people said, Amen. and you need to have a family. You got a family, you need, some of you don't have any family. Uh, maybe mom's gone, maybe dad's gone, but you need a family, and that family is found at the house of God. Then message number two, we looked at the family, or family building on the right foundation. We said the takeaway was simply this. We must seek God first. God for, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Not family. Don't make that mistake. If we want our family to be blessed, because whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Whosoever try to save his family, they'll lose it. You've got to be on the right foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ. For other foundation can no man lay, and that is laid, which is Jesus Christ, of course. And so we must build our foundation on the, the things of God first. Then thirdly, we preach a third message entitled Family Values. We ask the question, do you got any? And if you got family values, where'd you get them from? And the punchline was simply this. Values come, from, come through God's word, God's eternal word. Not our words, or not just because I said so. Not because uh, uh, it's my family rules or my own personal rules. Your rules will fail. God's rules reign, or abide forever, of course. And then last Sunday, we looked at the, the, maybe the dirtiest, rottenest, no good for nothing, pardon my slang, family in all of the Bible. Murderers, mass murderers, incestuous uh, uh, sons, uh, adulterous, idolatrous, slave traders, you name it, liars. And I'm referring, of course, Jacob, the, he was a deceiver and conniver himself, Jacob's dirty dozen, who became the greatest family. And we are blessed to this day because of the family of Israel. We are blessed to this day and the, the world to come will be blessed because of God's family, this blended family. So the takeaway was simply this. God is able to take even the most broken. You say, my family's broken. It's blended. We're all, we all have broken and blended we're, uh, pieces to our family and to our own life. But God is able to take a broken family, broken families, and bless them beyond human comprehension. God's able to bless even broken families, even dysfunctional families and hybrid families. God's able. That's how good a God he is. And all God's people said, he's a wonderful God. This morning, in our time that we have, and I must begin to hurry to right out of the gate here to catch up here if I can here, I want to give you three notes on fathers. This is not a Father's Day uh, Sunday per se, but uh, this message on families, I want to deal with the subject of fathers, and the title is simply this, everybody, that's everyone, ladies, you're included in this, needs to be a father. And you say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, let's just dissect the text here and let's consider uh, the words of God throughout the, the Bible here for just the moments that we have. First of all, consider this this morning. Number one, I see the first note of, of fathers is the need for a heavenly father in my life or in your life. The need for a heavenly father in your life. Notice verse number two of our text, that famous, some call it the Lord's Prayer. 
The disciples came to the Lord and they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray, verse 1. And he said unto them, verse 2, when ye pray, say, and you know it, don't you? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then they ask, they said, give us this day our daily bread. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. God is able to take care of our needs today. But my God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Our heavenly Father, he's there to take care of us. He's there to, to meet our every need. He, three things about the need, everybody needs a heavenly Father. And by the way, uh, just say it this way, and there's been a lot of talk about women lately in the news and so forth. We have the Me Too, Me Too movement going on. And mothers, we all we loud and praise mothers all the time, and as we should. But today, I want to talk about fathers. And no fathers, four words. No father, no life. No father, no life. We always think of the mother. No mother, no life. But no father, no life. And I want you to consider, first of all, that he gives us life. You need a heavenly father in your life because he gives physical life. The Bible says, Acts 17 and 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. Our heart is beating now by the divine permission of the Heavenly Father. Amen. We have life by him. And everything that we have is we are, we are his offspring. We are created in his image. I'm getting ahead of myself here. We'll come back to that. John 10, 10 reminds us, the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come to them, I have life. Have it more abundantly. Even the atheist has life. It's a gift of God. It's a gift of the Father. They may not recognize it. They, they're dead in their trespasses and sins. But everyone has life because we have a heavenly Father. He gives us life, physical life. And then for some, spiritual life. Eternal life. And of course, a, a blessed life, a joyous life for those that are in Christ Jesus. So the heavenly Father, we need him because Father's... The Heavenly Father is the life giver, not Mother Nature, but Father God. But then I want you to notice, secondly, we need a Heavenly Father in our, my life or our life because He has a plan for us. He has a plan for your life. Young people, listen to me for a moment. God has a plan. The Father has a plan for your life. God has a reason for your existence. In Genesis 1.26, just hear me as I quote the first part of verse 26. And God said, let us, let us, there's a trinity right there. Let us make man in our image. Now John tells us, that's the gospel, John tells us that God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's not talking about bodily, although Christ came and took upon himself the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men, right? But we're made in the likeness of God. We're in his image. There's a God consciousness, a sin consciousness, a soul consciousness that animals do not have. We're a higher being. We are God's divine, his special touch creation. So God created man, verse number 27 of Genesis, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Male and female. Well, that answers the gender question. Male and female. Pretty simple, isn't it? It really is. Created he them, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. God gave us purpose for man to come to this earth. 
One day he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. I won't have time to run off this rabbit trail tangent, but there's a, there's a, there's a shell of, there's a, in the Jehovah Witness Kingdom Hall movement, there's a shell of truth, much lie, stuffed with lie. But some of it is truth, and they saw the grabbing unbeknown on, on people, people unsuspectedly, un, unknowingly. Because the fact, the fact of the matter is, we are, God created Adam and Eve to dwell on the earth, and there's going to be a millennial kingdom coming along as well. And God, is, uh, God has a purpose for man. But he says, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. And I want you to produce after your own kind or after my own image. You see, the Westminster Confession said this way. And we asked the question, why are we here? We're here because there's a God in heaven that has a plan. And the first Catechism of the Westminster Confession, the short version, and it says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. He's, the Father has a plan for you. He gives you life. But thirdly, he has a purpose for, your, for living. Your purpose for living is not just to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. Your purpose for living is not like the bumper sticker on the, the, the four-wheel drive truck says of the guy's truck, you know, he who dies the most toys wins. Your purpose for living is not to just have, live it up and have a, have a ball. But no, our purpose for living is much deeper than that. God created man for a purpose. And, he, and we are, we're not to live for self, but to live for others. Even the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. The key to joy, you've heard this said before many times, the acrostic for joy for the Christian, J-O-Y. What is it? Jesus, others, yourself. You see, God has a, the greatest task, by the way, someone has said is finding the will of God and performing it in your life. And God has a desire that we live for others. Every father in this room, you have a purpose to live. If you're a father, a literal father, you've got a child. You say, well, preacher, I'm not in that. You know, I may be talking to a lady right now. You say, I'm not of that. Uh, that doesn't qualify me. Well, we'll get to there in just a moment here. But every, every father, every man that's ever had a child has a purpose. Yeah, every man that's been, been married and even with no offspring, he has a purpose. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.12 that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Lord says in John chapter 15, verse 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. God wants us to be fruit bearers, and that your fruit should remain. God has a purpose for our life. He has a plan for our life. God wants to give us life and give it more abundantly. But let's hurry along to point number two, the second note of fathers this morning. And that's the need for an earthly father in your life. Everyone needs a father in their life. Now, I know this smacks against modern-day uh, mindset and the governmental policy. We have policies in our country and around the world now that say man doesn't, man's the problem. Man, we don't need men in our lives. Well, I'm here to tell you that everybody needs an earthly father in their life. And I'm not trying to hurt anybody here, but I know who I'm talking to, and I'm very sensitive I know some of you have never had a father in your life. I understand that. We have some folks that grew up here and you never knew your father. Your father brought you into the world, but something either your father died or your father abandoned you or you were spiritually or physically 
aborted, if you will, if I could use that terminology. But everybody needs a father. And I want to give you two things this morning about the need for an earthly father. First of all, there is a father hunger in all of us. God put it there. God put it in our, our minds. Uh, why? And I thought it was interesting. I, I, I want to thank Kanye West for going to the White House this week so I could put him in the message this morning. And uh, he went to the White House. And let me just give a side commentary for just a moment. It's, it's pretty pathetic to my mind to have to have an a ungodly, wicked rapper using foul language in the, in the Oval Office, how terrible that is. But that's beside the point. Back to the story. It's interesting what he said. Kanye West had said it in front of the whole world. Some of you saw it on the sound bites. I just saw the sound bites. That's all I saw. But as he had his red cap on, he says, I didn't have a father in my life growing up. But I needed a father. He said something to that effect. You heard it. And you know what I'm saying. To millions of people, he said that. Now, you may think this is corny. This may serpy. This is, this is over the top. But I don't think it is. You know, he got up from the desk there. He got up from his chair and went around and he hugged the president of the United States. I think Kanye West thinks about Donald Trump as a surrogate father. You may mock that, but I think, I think it's true. He said in his own roundabout way, I didn't have a father in my life. Maybe that's why I became a rapper. And it's too bad that a guy like that has to be a role model for some people. But again, that's beside the point. But he gave an admission, a concession... We don't have warm on the worksheet, but I have a whole, several subpoints I want to give here this morning here in regards to this father hunger. We touched on it last week, and let me review what we went through very fast last Sunday morning. The people hunger, I believe every man, woman, boy, and girl hungers secretly, whether they, maybe it's suppressed in their heart. There's a hunger for the father's blessing, a desire to have a meaningful touch. We talked about it last week. And I said, there's something to a touch. And it's a shame, and I'll say it again. It's a shame that teachers, and it's a shame that people, that uh, we have to be careful, especially men, have to be careful. We can no longer touch little children. How shameful that is. And I should have got an amen out of that. But you say, oh, well, we've got to be careful now. Not pedophiles. You know, P, I won't say the word. You know, we've got to watch out now. We can't touch. You know, and we, we even have to have rules in our own church because of lawsuits and all the rest. How sad. There's something about a touch. You know, there's something about a mother's touch, but there's something about a father's touch. Another whole message. And we get this, by the way, from Genesis 48 and 49. Jacob, and he got it from his father Isaac, and he got it from his father Abraham. And where they touched with the right hand, the hand of blessing. And I'm a left-hander, by the way. And so... And you see, you see uh, Jacob, of course, in Genesis 48, in one hand on, left hand on Manasseh, right hand on Ephraim. And we go to chapter 49, and he gave blessings. There's, the, so there's the, the blessings of a meaningful touch, and there's so many different types of touches, by the way. There's a gentle touch, there's a guiding touch, a healing touch, an affirming touch, a loving touch, a comforting touch, an assuring touch. And I would suggest to you, and there's different places on the body to touch depending on who the person is and what's trying to be conveyed. Add a boy on the head, little boy. On the shoulder for an older boy. On the arm for a little older boy than that. 
a handshake for a man that's a young man. And there's different ways that we convey affirmation. And everybody needs that. Whether you want to admit it or not, we like to be, we like to have affirmation. Whether you want to admit it or not, you like to know that there's somebody that accepts you. And there's the Father's touch, and I believe that nobody can take the, the place of. There's a, we looked at five things, so I'll just rapid fire through them quickly here. We talked last week about a meaningful touch, this father hunger that so many people have for the touch of a father. A spoken word. The Bible says the word spoken, uh, uh, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. You may not want to admit it again, but it's true. We all like to hear something nice from some authority figure, especially a father. Well done. Um, uh, I'll, I'll be generic in the illustration. I was specific at 815. I'll be generic now. Some of you had affirming fathers. Some of you had fathers that probably hardly ever said anything to you in regards to affirming and saying, attaboy, well done, good for you. Hey, I'm proud of you. But those words mean much. We can heal by our words again. We can break by our words. You know that little, remember the nursery or the, the little saying we learned in school, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's not true, especially if it comes from somebody that you respect, a father. And so there's a spoken word. Then there's thirdly, we looked at an expressing of high value. In Genesis 49, again, we see where Jacob expressed high value to some of his sons. When Jesus Christ was baptized in Mark chapter 1, the heavens opened up and Verse 11 says, the voice from heaven spake, Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Even the heavenly Father gave a high praise three times. The heavens opened when Jesus was on earth and God, the heavens spoke and the Father spoke and said, I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. And then fourthly, there's a, a procurement of a, for a special blessing back to Jacob and back to uh, Father blessing and uh, where we bless our kids. You know, I always said, I've said it many hundreds of times over the years now for sure, I want my kids, I want better for my kids than they wanted themselves. I want better for my grandchildren than they, they even know themselves. They don't know what they should be or why they should be or what they should do, but I do. I want them to find the will of God for their life and, 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 and fulfill it. I want them to love the Lord. And I want to see their future blessed. Not just monetarily, although that's, that, that wouldn't hurt. Not just materially, although that's not bad. But I'm talking about spiritually. I'd rather have them be paupers for the rest of their life and be in the center of the will of God than be millionaires and know not Christ or not serve him. So a, a procurement of future uh, special blessings. And then, then an active. Commitment number five I had last week, an active commitment to see the blessing come to pass. You see, the father, hear me, a father is someone that stays in that person's life throughout their life as long as that father is living and that, that child is living or that person is living, that, that mentoree, if I can use that phrase, uh, is living. He's there and he's a coach all the way through. 
and he wants to see them, he wants to see them follow through and be blessed. It was interesting, the uh, few weeks ago, Aretha Franklin died. She's the queen of soul, they call her, queen of... Uh, 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 I, I, I just know, uh, I, won't try, I won't try to sing it. Uh, John, maybe John can sing it for us, but uh, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, her song Respect. Some of, you, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. That's good. But she sang a song, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And they messed up on the eight-hour funeral. They actually got an old-fashioned fiery preacher to give a 50-minute eulogy. They didn't know what he was going to say. The Reverend Jasper Williams, Jr., from the Salem Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, gave the eulogy to the shock and horror of that Hollywood, Hollywood crowd. I didn't mispronounce it. Stevie Wonder was in the crowd, and the, there was gasp as the, the preacher said what he said, and I don't have time to read this several minutes. I have it written here. Uh, it says, uh, I just read sound bites for time's sake. A fiery old school pastor who is, is, who is under fire for saying black America is losing its soul at Aretha Franklin's funeral stands firm by his words, which he hopes that those, who, those critics can understand his perspective. Goes on to say what he said he, in his, uh, he said, and I'm just quoting several, several lines down from his message. He said, Williams described as, quote, abortion after birth, end of quote. The idea of children being raised without a, quote, unquote, father or provider father. He said it was the scourge of black society. Uh, Williams called, uh, some called Williams' eulogy, by the way, a disaster. And, and uh, by the way, uh, what's his name here? I guess I always forget. Stevie Wonder. You, some of you know that name. He cried out when he said, uh, Reverend Williams says, black lives don't matter. And Stevie Wonder cried out and said, black lives do matter. And he said it in the context, but... Here's what he said, and let me just give you verbatim the quote. As he's being interviewed, uh, Williams was later interviewed by the, the, his ghastly performance by the Associated Press, and uh, he, he, he didn't know if the family, the Franklin family, that is, or social media, if, if they were criti critical of his message or not. But here's what he said. I quote, I'm sure much of the negativity is due to the fact that they don't understand what I'm talking about, end of quote. Anybody who thinks black America is all right as we are now is crazy. This is from a black preacher, in case you don't know. We're not all right. It's a lot of change that needs to occur. This change must come from within. Nobody can give us things to eliminate where we are. We have to change from within ourselves. And then he said this, listen to this. It is ludicrous for the church not to be involved. The church is the only viable institution we have in the African-American community. We must step up and turn our race around. To the horror and gas of most of the crowd. But what was he saying? He's saying the problem in black America is lack of fathers. By the way, the problem in white America is lack of fathers. As the family goes, so goes the nation. As the family goes, so goes the church. As the family goes, or as the father goes, so goes the family. And you may not like this, but this is good preaching, by the way. And the fact of the matter is, there is a father hunger in all of us, but then let her be quickly. In regards to this need for, this absolute need for an earthly father in our lives, 
There's the, the mentoring principle is mandatory, absolutely mandatory. Acts chapter 8, a very, we spent the first message on the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, and he was a man of great authority. He was an educated man, no doubt. But he had no family. He had no children, obviously, and no wife. But he went and got a family. He became part of the family of God, and history tells us he started a great church and started the Ethiopian church, Christian church. But the eunuch, when he was reading Isaiah the prophet in his scroll, when Philip the deacon came along, Philip asked him the question, understand not what thou readest? And he said, how can I, except some man should guide me? I want you to write down, if you'd like to take your notes here, just write down alongside this subpoint, letter B, write down bar mitzvah. You know what the bar mitzvah is? It means the son of the law. When I was in Israel or in Jerusalem, downtown Jerusalem, on, uh, we, saw the, we saw a bar mitzvah party going down the streets, a 13-year-old boy come of age. And that's when the Jewish family says, no longer is mom and dad responsible for his actions. He's now become a man. And they employ what they call the minyan. M-I-N-Y-A-N. It just, it's, in, it's been happening several years ago, and 10, 15 years ago, in Litchfield, Connecticut. The minyan is when it's a, it's, a, it's a group of 10. 10 men that have been bar mitzvahed. 10 men of, of age. In any community, they, they become the, the nucleus for that community. They must start a synagogue, and they must, they must, they're the ruling body and the elders of that, that community, the minyan. And the Orthodox Hasidic Jews, to this day, the good ones now, even some Reformed Jews, when they have the bar mitzvah, they employ, they assign 10 men to that 13-year-old boy. The first man assigned is the father. The second man assigned, if he's alive, is the grandfather. If there's two grandfathers, so be it. The third and fourth man can be uncles. But then, depending on what they're grooming that man, young man to be, be, whether a lawyer or a doctor or a scientist or a businessman or what have you, they'll employ some very successful Jewish men that are within that field of expertise. And these ten men will be the mentors for this boy for all of his junior high, uh, junior high adult, junior, senior high life until he reaches full manhood. And is it any wonder that the average, this is not a racist statement, it's just a statement of fact. Is it any wonder that the average Jewish Orthodox boy does far better in this world, by and large, than the 9, 10, 99% of his Gentile counterpart boys? There's a reason. He has mentors in his life. God, God put this in place. That leads me to Roman numeral three, the necessity. This message has not been just to fathers, of literally earthly fathers. What I want to talk about for the last moments that we have this morning, what about the necessity of being a father, maybe in quotations, in somebody's life? Hence the title message. Everybody needs to be a father in somebody's life, ladies as well. And for time's sake, let me just rapid fire A and B. Think of Barnabas to a Saul. In Acts 4.36, Barnabas is called the son of consolation, or we know that word to mean encouragement. Barnabas was an encourager, and he took a chance on Saul the murderer, Saul of Tarsus, when nobody else wanted to take a chance on him. And he took him under his wings. You know the story, and for a full year, Acts chapter 11 defines it, verses 25 and 26, you can turn there later. 
And Barnabas took Paul under his, Saul under his wings who becomes the great apostle Paul. Everybody needs a Barnabas in their life. Everybody needs a mentor in their life to, when they first come to know Christ as Savior. But then let her be for time's sake. The necessity of being a father to somebody, consider for a moment, just a few moments here, a Paul for a Timothy. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, Paul calls Timothy my son in the faith. He says about his son in the faith, he says that uh, the same things as thou hast heard of me was the same uh, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Did you ever stop and think? Hear me quickly. Paul had a 30-some year ministry. Timothy, we believe, had a much longer ministry than Paul had. And he probably taught as many, if not more men, he had a longer lifespan of ministry. We believe that he was the bishop of Ephesus for some 30 years. Paul said, as I taught you, I want you to teach others also. Hey, young men, right now, you may one day get married. You may one day have children. You may one day then be a father. You, you might have more children than this This preacher you're listening to right now I don't know you don't know either but God may have more for you and that leads me to Roman numeral three and we I guess the, the crux of the message I want you to understand this morning here the necessity for everybody to be a father and I'll take that in the right light in the context be a father not just a guardian not just a guardian you know you've heard that little term a guardian ad litem you know, assigned by the court. Now, I'm not picking on guardian ad litems. I dealt with several of them over the years. But they're in it, there's a pay involved. It's a job, it's an occupation, not a fatherly vocation, life's calling, occupation, uh, uh, occupy just a, something to take up time. But fathers, five things about fathers, real rapid fire. Fathers are, unlike guardians, Concerned with spiritual maturity. You see, Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Fathers, godly fathers, listen, man in this church, every man that has a child, your number one goal in your life, hey, I want all of our men to be millionaires in this church. And all God's people said, some of you are saying, I'd like you all to be rich. But that's not God's number one goal for your life. God may not want you to be rich at all, materially speaking, financially speaking. But the number one goal in your life ought to be that your children grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and come to know Christ as their Savior. Nothing is more valuable, nothing more important than that. And what's the proper man to give the whole world? Pardon me for preaching for a moment. And lose his own soul. Lose his child's soul. A father, he's in it. For the spiritual well-being. Children, I'll just give a, just a quick accolade just for a moment here to my father-in-law who's been in heaven for seven years. He was a wonderful man. And his works do follow. He being dead yet speaketh. He speaks to my heart. In our bedroom, uh, picture of dad, my father-in-law. Uh, pardon me. I don't have a picture of my, my own earthly father in uh, my bedroom uh, by himself. I don't think dad's ever had a picture by himself. I don't know. 
But I got a picture of my father-in-law right on a very prominent place in my bedroom. I see it all the time. And right in the lane in front of it is his Bible. His Bible. So I got a picture. I got his Bible. And it reminds me of what kind of man he was. He was concerned about our spiritual maturity. Number two, fathers are not self-concerned, but others-focused, or other-focused. You see, a father, as Psalm 103, verse 13 says, like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. A father that loves wants better for his child than his child wants for himself. It's the love of the father. The Heavenly Father wants better for you than you want for yourself. He wants you to do his will. My delight is to do thy will, O, o, o God. Number three, time's sake, you're to move on forward. A father, unlike a guardian or an, a, an appointed or a paid hireling, a father is stern and loving, not lax and simply a babysitter. Ephesians 6, 4 and ye children, provoke not your, or ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Loving, not lax. We're playing for keeps. We're playing for eternity. It matters. It's just not case to raw, so raw, whatever will be, will be. It would be a child abuse. I said this a couple of weeks back in the message, I'll say it again. They consider it child abuse if you keep your child out of first grade. In fact, it's child abuse to keep your child out of second grade, third grade, fourth grade, eighth grade. Am I right? Well, that's what they consider it. You're a truant parent. And you wouldn't think about, hey, Sonny, uh, little Johnny, you want to, go to tr- want to go to school this morning? It's not an option. It's a command. It's a duty. You will go to school. How much more? I'm going to raise you up in the house of God. I'm going to raise you up with the word of God. How much more than man's laws, man's important things? Then number four, father, unlike, an evangel- or unlike a uh, guardian, is an evangelist who urges obedience to the gospel. David DeWitt, the author of The Mature Man, said this in the definition of a father. Here's his, here's his definition. A, a husband who has accepted the discipleship responsibility for his children, bringing them up in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, telling them of the gospel of Christ. And number five for hurrying along here. A father, unlike a guardian, is always there. Think of the father of the prodigal, Luke 15. Always there and ever invested when the older son copped the bad attitude at the end of the chapter, most of you know the story. The father came and he said these words to him. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. He's invested. He's invested in us. And so what's the takeaway? What do you get from this message in the last 45 minutes? Hopefully you got this. Every family needs, first of all, a father figure in their life. Now you say, I never had a father. Well, you need to get a father figure in your life. Don't, you don't have one? Find one and submit to him. 
Hebrews 13, 7 and Hebrews 13, 17. I don't want to get corny again. I don't want to self-aggrandize. I happen to be a pastor. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule or the overship over you and submit yourselves unto them as they have watched for your souls. That they must, for they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Find a mentor in your life. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody here this morning, trying to embarrass our senior men, but find the, find the gray-haired man, find the white-headed man. Wayne Richard will do. <laughs> Brother Jim will do. More balding than white, but anyhow, I'm teasing Brother Jim. Find these men that are that walked with God for a while and get their counsel, get their wisdom. Find somebody and submit to them. They've been around, they've been around the block a few more times than you have. They might know so there's something to the fathers. God puts a high premium and high respect on the fathers. He is one himself. But here's the punchline. Finally, be a father to somebody else and point them to the heavenly father. You see, that's we've gone full round robin all the way back to full circle to the beginning of the message. Everybody can be and should be a mentor, a father, Find somebody to father. Single moms, you got to play some fatherly role as well. Father, mentor that young person the best you can. If you can, boy, if you can, bring that father back into their life if that's possible. If you can do that, that would be a good thing to do. Because boys and girls need a father in their life. Everybody needs, needs a father in their life. Everybody needs to be a father. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord for devising this plan, creating us in your image. Lord, you have a divine plan, a divine purpose for every life in this room. Lord, you've created the family. One man with one woman for a lifetime. That's your genesis. That's your perfect formula. But Lord, sin and brokenness, Lord, destroys that which is good. And Lord, we ask your forgiveness. Our families are broken, every one of ours. But Lord, we're thankful that you can take a broken family and bless them. You're the God of, that can put together broken pieces. We thank you for that. Lord, help us to be about your business, we pray. Bless these moments of invitation, I ask. Lord, have thine own way in our hearts and life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together, take our hymn book and turn to page number 39.